Megan, spring is one of our family's busiest seasons with tons of time on the go. There are so many places to be and details to remember. And the last thing I need is the constant irritation of uncomfortable shoes. So today we're talking about the Vionic Vitals collection from our longtime sponsor, Vionic Shoes. These are the best essential shoe styles for everyday wear this season. So Katie on our team is getting ready for warmer weather in Chicagoland with a pair of Vionic's Bella Toe Post sandals. These are Vionic's best-selling flip-flop style, and they have a cute little bow on them. They come in nine great colors, but Katie chose a versatile black patent leather. They're super supportive for her high instep, and they even come in wide sizes, which is a great option. Yeah, the styles in the Vionic Vitals collection are classics that don't really go out of fashion. And because they're such great quality, they're going to last as well, even with daily wear, which mine definitely get. And I love that Vionic offers a 30-day guarantee. Wear them, love them, or return them for a full refund within 30 days. But I have a feeling after those 30 days, our listeners will love their Vionic shoes so much they'll be ready to order another pair. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at Vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Sarah. We're two moms with eight kids between us, and we're the hosts of The Mom Hour. On this show, we're joined by a team of unique mom voices from across the country and in different stages of motherhood to bring you tips, ideas, and encouragement, and to help you feel a little less alone. We all know that motherhood is a lot easier when real moms share honest truths and remind each other that it's all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to The Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 390 of The Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers here with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah. So we're into November. It's hard to believe. It is like we're (laughs) staring down. I can't believe it. It's a thing. It is a thing. The last couple months of the year. Um, I'm really excited about today's topic, especially because we get to do one of our favorite things, which is to rely on the tips and advice and wisdom from our community on a topic that we've had a lot of requests for, and that is um, facilitating and encouraging and nurturing the grandparent-grandkid relationship. So this is funny because as moms, we're in the middle, um, but we've had a lot of listener questions and suggestions and just ideas about, I guess, um, creating in the environment where our children have the opportunity to know and love their grand their grandparents. And, you know, obviously, Megan, we know every extended family looks very different. Today, we're really focusing on practical things that moms can do to facilitate the relationships that that they want to have or that they hope their kids have with grandparents. We also know there's some tricky situations in a lot of extended families and some complicating factors. And that's I guess that's what we're not digging into today. So if you are (laughs) someone who maybe lives far away from the grandparents or is new to your relationship in the middle of two generations, I think you'll find this episode um, really hopeful and helpful. It can look a lot of different ways. And I loved hearing how different families are doing this. Yeah. And just to echo what you were saying, Sarah, like my parents have been deceased for a long time. So it's like, I don't have a lot to, um, of personal things to offer. And I know a lot of people are also estranged from their parents or their in-laws and that can make it really tricky too. But if you're in this situation where you're just like, what are some simple things I can do to kind of help nurture this relationship? I think we've got some great tips from our listeners here. So I tried to look up statistics about 
how many families now in the United States, and we know we have listeners all over the world, but how common it is to live nearby to the grandparent generation. And I couldn't find exactly what I was looking for because there's a lot of statistics about living actually with the grandparents, like in the same home. Um, But one of the things we're going to get into today is ways to help nurture that relationship when you're long distance. And I think the statistic I saw that seemed most reliable was about half of American families are living within like, you know, in the same town or area as grandparents. And that means at least half, um, if not more, are doing long distance grandparenting. And a lot of what we're going to talk about today is about that kind of shifting paradigm. And maybe it's different from the way we grew up. I actually did grow up long distance from my grandparents. I don't, I don't remember about you. Um, they were kind of, yes, longish distance at different points. Like it it felt like a very fluid situation where at points, my uh, maternal grandma was really close by then farther then close then further. So kind of all over the place. Yeah. 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 Sarah, our sponsor Vionic is back today with their Vionic vitals collection. These shoes are the most essential styles for everyday wear to get us ready for spring, which will be here before we know it. We've already talked about my uptown loafers and Willa slip on flat and your Chardonnay heeled sandal, but this collection also includes the Walk 23 classic sneaker. That is that unapologetic dad sneaker style that's so popular right now. And I was just thinking having all four styles would basically be like having a spring capsule wardrobe for your feet. Oh my gosh, that is actually such a genius idea, Megan. I love where you're going with this. You know, high quality shoes are such a classy way to elevate your wardrobe. And the styles in the Vionic Vitals collection really can be worn in your everyday mom life, whether you're running errands or dressing up for an occasion. Yeah, and let's talk about the comfort factor, Sarah. Vionic actually got started by revolutionizing medical orthotics. Today, they continue to use that science to make cute and comfortable shoes that can keep up with our active lifestyles. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Vionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor Haya is back on the show today, and I just really love this company. Typical children's vitamins are basically candy in disguise. They're filled with two teaspoons of sugar, unhealthy chemicals, and other gummy junk most parents don't really want their growing kids eating. That's why Haya, the pediatrician-approved, super-powered, chewable vitamin, was created. That's right, Megan. Haya fills in the most common gaps in modern kids' diets to provide the full-body nourishment they need. And Haya vitamins have a yummy taste kids love, too. So we were just talking to Katie on our team, Megan, and she was saying that when they get down toward the bottom of the Haya vitamin bottle, her boys are fighting over who gets the last one. Oh, I love it. And I also love that Katie can feel good about that, right? Haya is designed for kids of all ages and sent straight to your door. So parents never need to worry about running out. And we've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. All right. So Megan, this is so much fun. We had so much discussion in our Facebook community about FaceTime. And at first I was like, okay, yeah, obviously my kids also FaceTimed a lot with their grandparents, but moms in our community are using modern technology, not just FaceTime, but other um, applications too, in really smart and genius ways. And I can't, I can't wait to dive into some of these tips. I love these so much because this is like blowing my mind because, um, 
none of this technology was available when my kids were even really little, yeah. <laughs> let alone when their grandparents were mostly alive. So um, Kathleen says, my son loves typing emojis to his grandma on FaceTime. And then she turns the emojis into a story. They have a character called Patch the Dog, who is always the star. And it's that cute little puppy with yes. the patch over its eye and its tongue out. Um, Amber says, with long distance grandparents, there's lots of FaceTiming. It takes a lot of parent involvement when they're little. But now my three and a half year old will prop the phone up and talk, play and read with grandparents without any parental help needed. I'm like so jealous right now, Amber. Sometimes phone Grammy babysits when mom needs to run upstairs to help another kid for a moment. I mean, what? We've also found it helpful for Grammy and grandpa to have a few of the exact same toys at their house, like little cars and books so they can play together. I, I mean, my that. mind is so blown by this genius right it's now. So sweet. I'm just picturing yes. Grammy and grandpa, like with the same little matchbox cars. I, that is like amazing. Yeah. yeah, that is amazing. I love this so much. And then and this is a really simple one. Sarah says my son and my mom FaceTime each other as I'm driving him to school every morning. It's a five to eight minute car ride. So it's a good time when he can focus on his conversation with my mom and they can talk about anything. I love that so much because sometimes in the morning, I'm not really in the mood for a lot of chatter in the car. Like I kind of just want to zone out, like get the kids. It's often also you're driving in the dark and there's like people around and I just want to concentrate on the drive. So I love the idea of, of your kids just being like in, immersed in a conversation with someone else and really being able to focus on that without a lot of distractions. And then you're not distracted as the driver. Yeah. And it's like, I, she says it's five to eight minutes. So it's like a little bite-sized grandma connection every, yeah. you know, five days a week. It doesn't have to be a huge thing and it fits into their already busy time. I think I know time yeah. zones really play into when you can talk to different relatives. So I love that that works for their family. Um, well, here's another genius one. Jill said during the pandemic, my daughter had reading time with Grammy every day. My mom who lives four hours away would FaceTime her and they would read a book and do her reading comprehension pages. She was in first grade then. Now she's in fourth and struggling with spelling. After I was so stressed by battling her week after week, spelling time with Grammy started also via FaceTime. Everyone wins. She's learning her spelling skills. I don't have to battle her and my mom feels valued and helpful. I mean, Jill, that is genius. Uh, like outsourcing, outsourcing spelling. Like, that's like helping with schoolwork. Like, especially because then you can really rely on the people in your extended community, your grandparents, yeah. you know, the kids' grandparents to help with something that's hard, even if they're not living down the street. Yeah. Like maybe they would have been in, in olden days or something. I love it. I, I love, love it. it too. And Rebecca, a longtime listener who lives in England. And so her, her dad is like 3000 miles away. She said on the first night of COVID lockdown, my dad started reading nightly bedtime stories to my kids over Skype. She said, we've just recently had to pare it down to a couple of nights a week instead of nightly because of commitments ramping back up. So that means for the last like two and a half years, they've been having nightly story time. Okay. And then this is next level. At the end of each year, Rebecca's dad compiles, I think what's like a memory book um, with screenshots and things from their story time, their Skype story time over the course of the year. So then they actually have like something to remember that year together. And she said they have a super close bond with him, even though he's 3,500 miles away. And that was all in like wow. COVID times. I know. Um, Libby said, my parents aren't great with technology. So FaceTiming was tricky for a long time. We each got an Alexa show so we could talk to them while they're in Florida. When my daughter was two, she could walk over to it and say, Alexa, call Papa. 
I'm sure a million Alexas right now are like, what? Yes. Um, but that's really cute. <laughs> and then Katie said, it started in person this summer when we were staying with my parents for a month. My daughter, who's two, had popsicles with grandpa. No popsicles at our house, just with grandpa. Now, if I'm busy with the baby at home and need 10 minutes of entertainment, I say, grandpa sent a popsicle and my daughter calls grandpa on FaceTime. It's very cute. And they have a little popsicle eating bond. I mean, I love this so much because grandpa didn't. Yeah. And a popsicle. There's already a popsicle in the freezer, but she's connected to when she FaceTimes grandpa, she gets to eat the popsicle that he like sent, which is so cute. And she doesn't know that it was there the whole time, which is so genius. Yeah, exactly. All right. Here's some more. And honestly, as I'm listening to these and reading them, I'm thinking this could be with really any friend or family member who maybe, you know, you could use these strategies. It doesn't have to be with a grandparent. If there's an aunt or an uncle or I don't know, cousin or just an old friend of yours who takes that role on with your kids. Just outsource it all. Yeah. The popsicles, the the homework, everything. (laughs) Um, Well, Anna Lynn says we live overseas and we do our best to keep the connection going. We got the grandparents a digital photo frame that I can load pictures and videos onto for my phone. They love seeing what the kids are up to and it helps them have things to talk about when we call and FaceTime. So that and um, Kayla in our community said that um, something similar. I think that is so genius because it is like, you know, getting on the phone with kids sometimes is the worst. Like they have nothing to say or they yeah. kind of wander away from it for a while, but having something specific, like, Oh, I saw that you went to the zoo the other yeah. day. What was that like? It just keeps that conversation. It gives them something to talk about. And just real quick, Megan, if, if listeners aren't familiar with those types of photo frames, there's a couple brands. I think Anna Lynn had used aura. And then a lot of our listeners have used skylight. We've worked with skylight as a sponsor and have, I personally have loved them, but I think, I think other brands are great too. Um, and basically like it's a, it's a digital frame, but you can, you can send updated photos and videos to it anytime. And then it's like sits there in your loved one's house and their digital photos keep updating with new stuff. Yeah. Megan says we set up a super private Facebook group for immediate family only. And we post a lot of daily life pictures. So kind of like a low, slightly lower tech, slightly more manual version of the frame. Right. Mm -hmm. And then Sarah says, we don't put pictures of our kids on social media. So we created a shared album on Apple photo where we upload photos and videos frequently for our parents and a few other relatives. And Sarah, this seems like the kind of thing you'd be really good at. Like, I think once you have the system in place, sharing that stuff becomes really easy. It's just bothering to set up a shared folder or or whatever it's like, whatever the receptacle is going to be to have that all set up. And then it's just a click of a button. Like, oh, this is a cute picture. I'm just going to share it from my phone. Yeah. And I'm thinking back to, I mean, I did like quite a lot of extra photo sharing when my kids were really tiny for the long distance grandparents and the technology has, there's just a lot more options now than there were then. I think I was doing albums in Picasa, which later became like Google photos or Shutterfly or things like that. Um, But I'm also thinking that like today's grandparents are also getting younger. They're not getting younger, but the, you know, technology has, (laughs) that would be exciting, wouldn't it? Like my mom will be very excited to hear that. No, but the technology has continued to advance. And if we have Mm -hmm. grandparents of our listeners, kids who are in their fifties and early sixties, Facebook is second nature to them. Probably, um, you know, a lot of these photo sharing options and there are privacy. A lot of families do have privacy concerns with just public photo sharing. So it's cool to hear different workarounds. I actually thought the super private Facebook group, um, even though I'm not a huge Facebook person myself, but groups are the handy, like, as we know, Mm -hmm. because people can comment. And so having a totally locked down 
Facebook group, um, I think is a really cool idea. If your people are there, I, I guess you have to kind of go where your people are. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. So all of this tech talk, Megan, made me think back to were there ways that we kept grandparent connections kind of thriving with our kids when they were small that didn't have anything to do with technology? Because we did a lot of these same things, but just the tech's gotten even better now and our listeners are smarter than I was. But I think something that didn't come up in what we just talked about that I want to make sure to mention is just the good old fashioned telling stories and talking about relatives. It could be that um, grandparents have passed. It could be that they're not able to visit or they're not able to use the technology to FaceTime. There could be lots of complicating reasons why you might want to tell stories or talk about them, like, and sort of bring your kids into the world of these people. And I, I know in our family, we, we tell, we tell family stories a lot and we call them talk abouts. Cause when Luke was really little, he would say, talk about that time, talk about that time. So we call them talk abouts and they're like little vignettes of funny things or crazy things or adventures that different family members have had over the years. Many of them involve animals because kids love animal stories. So it'll be like <laughs> the time the dog ran away and this happened and the litter of kittens was born in the barn. And we've just got a huge trove of family talkabouts. And then I do think that my kids associate those stories with the grandparents they belong to. And then the grandparents will tell some stories when we are together. So I guess I am here for all of the tech, but just a reminder that you have a lot of influence as a mom in how you talk about generational people and like the extended web that is your family. And sometimes it's as simple as bringing up their name often. Um, I know Maureen, whose mom has passed, she says to her kids, you know what your grandma would say to this? And then tells them <laughs> like what her mom would say. And so yeah. um, there are non-tech ways to keep those conversations going, I guess. Yeah, I love that. And I, um, all three of my, well, three of my kids' grandparents um, died when they were either young or not born yet. So John's dad died when William or Isaac, sorry, Owen was a baby. And my mom died when Isaac was a baby. And my dad died when my, when Clara was a baby. So like none of them have had super close relationships or any relationships with those people, but it's still worth talking about them because they are part of the family. No, they are part of the family story and the family culture. And, um, we definitely, I know my sibling group talks a lot about our family story that involves our parents. And yeah. you can always kind of see the kids ears perk up when mm-hmm. that happens. And they kind of come gather around because many of those stories happened like long before those kids were even born, yeah. but they still want to know where they came from and yeah. they still want to know who those people in the photos are. So yeah. I love that. Um, one more thing that has come up for us is it feels like first and second grade are prime time for kids to like interview someone old. Did your kids all have like that? assignment. Like it, I feel like there's always yes. a writing project in second grade yep. and teachers, you can back me up here. It feels like a second grade thing where their job is to like talk to someone of an older generation about what things were like when they were little. Yeah. And actually I've had a funny experience where the grandparents of my children. So my parents and in-laws are like slightly offended that they are now yes. the old people. But I, right. I mean, it's still interesting. If you grew up in the fifties and sixties, that's still different than today. It's not the olden times. Nobody wants to feel like they're from the olden times, but that has been, um, another thing that's been really meaningful. Brian's stepmom. So it's one of my two mothers-in-law, but Brian's dad has passed and my kids are still in a grandparent relationship with his stepmom. She sent all these pictures, um, for a school project of violets of when she was growing up. And so those school projects, I think, um, 
can can be a jumping off point too as kids get older and they actually start to understand like oh grammy was like it was different when she was a kid and and be a jumping off point for some of those stories and um yeah i feel like my kids have also done assignments like that slightly older like i feel like there's like the really scaled back version of it when they're in elementary school, but mm-hmm. often in, in maybe high school, okay. they have something like that again. I just remember my kids getting on the phone okay. and having to like track down factoids. Yeah. And I kind of like it because, um, you know, with, and our, a lot of our listeners are younger. So maybe their parents grew up in like the seventies or, right. you know, maybe even going into the really eighties, they might've been, well, I mean, they <laughs> would have been maybe in high school. I'm thinking yeah. about my yeah. sister, her kids are old enough to all have kids. Yeah. Um, so Anyway, I like that it helps differentiate my generation from my parents' generation because you know how kids just see like all people who are older than them as old? Yeah. And so my kids have asked me questions before about like, did you have touch, you know, touch tone phones when you were a kid? And or like did the internet exist when you were in high school? And so I kind of like them knowing that it's not like everyone over yeah. the age of 20 just falls off some old cliff. Like yeah. we're all, we're all variations of older and different generations had different things going on. It makes me actually realize that we, when my kids, now my kids are older, right? They're 14, 12 and nine. And as a family, we do kind of like history and we will often be talking about something in history and we will often use their grandparents' childhood as a marker of like, Oh, that would have been when Mormor was a kid or that would have been. And yeah. between their five grandparents, they're born between like 1949 and 1955, all within like the early 50s. And so it like if we're talking about the Kennedy assassination or something, right. it is helpful for them to be like, yeah, grandpa was in high school. Mormor was in third grade when that happened. And um, so I do think it is a tie to history. I know it sounds super corny, but as your kids get older and learn about these things, it can create meaningful conversation, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Great. We are welcoming back Olive and June as a sponsor. And Megan, I'm so excited about this partnership because with spring right around the corner, I love refreshing the little things in my life, including my manicure. I am the biggest fan of doing my nails at home instead of at a salon because it's convenient, so much cheaper at just $2 a mani, and the results can't be beat. It all begins with Olive and June. Yeah, Olive and June's Manny system has everything you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. These are profesh tools designed just for DIY. A couple of the items included are their best-selling poppy, which makes it so easy to brush on a smooth coat, even with your non-dominant hand, which you do have to use about half the time, it turns out, <laughs> and their award-winning cuticle serum, which is so nourishing and a finishing touch I love. Well, I've been a big fan of their quick dry polish for a while now. It seriously dries in about a minute, making it perfect for busy moms. Visit oliveandjune.com slash the mom hour for 20% off your first mani system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash T-H-E-M-O-M-H-O-U-R for 20% off your first mani system. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Okay, so we also got a lot of great suggestions for making time with grandparents and grandkids special for that relationship. Um, and, and these fall into 
like two big buckets. One is grandparents who live in town and have the opportunity to see grandkids more regularly. And the other would be if you are long distance, but you're traveling to be together. And I have had both in my kids growing up. Um, I've, we've always had long distance grandparents, including very long distance, like across the whole entire country. And then we've usually had some proximity to my parents, but even that has ebbed and flowed um, because we didn't always live right in the same town. And now we do. Right. Um, so I, I think we got a lot of great suggestions from our listeners. We'll go through them and chime in with our own thoughts as they come up. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, this is probably more in my wheelhouse when my kids were little and um, had, especially with the grandparents they did have, because these were the kinds of things that were accessible and easy to do. Yeah. It, whether it was like, you know, regularly because you live nearby or whether it was once a year because maybe you only saw those grandparents like once a year, right. a couple times a year. So um, Jess says, when I was a kid, my grandmother would always take each of her grandchildren for a special outing on their birthday, usually ice cream, a bookstore and a stop to pick out a present. I remember my cousins and I always looking forward to our turn. Both my mom and mother-in-law have taken Grammy and granddaughter dates with our three-year-old. They take turns taking her on fun outings to like local nature festivals, ice cream, museum trips, etc. Love that. And Elizabeth says, my parents started taking our toddler son every Wednesday. He gets to spend the day with them and he knows when I bring out a specific bag, it's a lolly and pops day. I mean, how cute are the names lolly and pops for I grandparents, know. by the way? I, Sarah, love I have to ask you, is anything about this conversation kind of making you want to have grandkids? No. <laughs> is it making you a little bit? Yeah, no. kind of. <laughs> I guess I am three years your senior and about, you well, know, you 10 years your children. mom's senior. Yeah, right. You have exactly. adult children. I, I don't yeah. want them. None of them are ready to have kids yet. I do not actually want them to do that. But like, yeah, this is actually I, I, I want to be a lolly. Yes. I think that was very cute. That's really, really cute. I think I just cannot picture it yet. You just can't wrap your brain around no, it yet. I, I gotcha. cannot. You just got used to reading glasses, so we don't want to expect too much of you too soon. <laughs> so true. So true. <laughs> I also thought that was so cute that um, Elizabeth's son, who's only two, knows, knows by the bag that comes out that yeah. he gets to spend the day with the grandparents. I love that. By the way, I mean, like life throws you curveballs and sometimes like the grandparents who are live in town at one point, then you move or they move. But those bonded times when they're babies and toddlers are, are really cool and really special. So yeah. I love that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Emily had really interesting thoughts. I thought about how to carve out time for your own nuclear family versus when to let in and invite the grandparents. And I'm going to read what she wrote um, because I thought it was really interesting. And it, is this like brings up all of those things we talk about, about the holidays and how stressful it can be to like, who do you spend holidays and all of this? So I will read what Emily wrote. She said, this is going to sound counterintuitive, but it comes back around early on. We created non-negotiable blackout dates for our immediate family to protect days like Christmas day from travel or any expectation that we're going to someone's house. It allows us to build our own special traditions with our kids and avoids resentment of spending more time with one set of grandparents than the other. Because of that, for our non-protective holidays and events, we always extend an invite. Trick-or-treating, mm. invite. Taking the kids to a summer movie night at the drive-in, invite. Decorating gingerbread houses, invite. Schedules for the youth sports, printed and delivered to the grandparents. She says, do I always want to hang with my parents or in-laws on what I plan to be a chill night? No. But when they're invited to more things, they tend to pick and choose what they want to come to because it doesn't feel like they, quote, 
never see the kids. And I still get brownie points for trying. I just thought this was really thoughtful. And what I love about it, Emily, is it starts with the boundary of like the like the rocks, like we always say, like choosing to protect some of the bigger holidays just for your family. And when you've removed that sense of obligation and potentially resentment that I think a lot of people feel, especially if you have two sets of grandparents within driving distance, that's tends to be when like that tension comes up. But then she's able to just be like, yeah, come along for for our family life. You're invited all the time. But that's because she set the boundary of what's important first. It doesn't work if like if you haven't set a boundary. This is like almost exactly the way we did things when the kids were small, like almost exactly. We never had um, besides the first two years of parenting. And then I had to take a really hard stance that we were not going to drive to New York state for Christmas anymore with a baby and a, um, and well, a toddler and a new baby on the way, we just weren't going to do it. And then it was like, Nope, this is our holiday. And actually Easter's our holiday. And we had a couple other ones too. It was like Christmas Easter. I think we traded Thanksgiving back and forth, but everything else was like, open to, you know, my stepmom would come, my dad would come um, when he was alive and John's parents would come. And sometimes they would all come to the Mm -hmm. same thing. And sometimes nobody would come, but like, I didn't really care that much if on a random like Tuesday orchestra concert or something when, you know, Jacob was an orchestra a long time ago or whatever, if multiple sets of grandparents showed up and often actually it was kind of great when parents or grandparents would show up to those, um, either like the school concerts, like the holiday concerts or sports events, because there's often a give back night at mm. Dairy Queen afterward <laughs> that I never, ever, ever, ever really wanted to go to. And many times I remember saying, Hey, you know, Shirley to John's mom or whatever, I'm going to take the baby home. Would you mind running by Dairy <laughs> Queen with the kids? It's like give back night. And she was a teacher. So okay. anything that was like a give back night, yeah. she was all in. And it's just an easy thing for a grandparent to do is yeah. like, it's no skin off their nose to run to Dairy Queen. Cause they're not immersed in parenting. Yes. They haven't said day, no to Dairy Queen day. 47 times that day already. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So she'd be like, Oh sure. And so she'd take the bigger kids, like whoever's game it was or concert. Plus maybe whoever else was old enough to go. And I'd go home with the little one and I would get a little break and I didn't have to do that, but like everybody kind of won. Yeah. You know, so I love that. I, I really like that. I just I admire Emily's like thoughtfulness. And I mean that mm-hmm. in both senses of the word, like thoughtful to include the grandparents so much, but also very thoughtful and mindful about her own family right. culture. So I love it. Um, Jillian says, my mother-in-law takes the kids traveling around to see family throughout the country. She's done special trips with each of them. I owe her a lot of money because on one of these trips, my stubborn three-year-old who had never gone more than an hour in dry underwear came home 100% potty trained. I don't know what happened on that trip, but man, I was thankful for her. Okay. That's a dream. You don't have to ask. Yes. Whatever. You don't need to know. You don't need to know. Also taking a three-year-old away, period, full stop is also a huge gift, but then returning one who is more potty trained than when they left is next level, next level. Um, I, I love the idea of taking a kid with you. And it sounds like these trips are specifically to go visit other extended family. It's not like I'm taking you to Disney world, although that's also really cool, but I actually love the idea of, um, again, with like that web of extended family, like you're going to go with grandma to see aunt and uncle so-and-so who live over here. Um, and then it becomes the special time of the trip and also more family connection. So I love that. Um, my parents decided when our oldest was in fifth grade, 
that they were going to do a DC trip for each kid in fifth grade. Um, so living in California, we don't, most schools do not do like a traditional DC trip at all. Or if they do, it's like an optional eighth grade thing. It's just really far. It's really far to do like a lot of East coast, um, you know, schools, that's like a, a standard part of curriculum. And so, um, they've done it now twice. Reed's fifth grade trip was delayed because of COVID, but they did take him. He was in sixth grade. Um, and so Violet will get to go. And so that's, um, I mean, hugely generous. It's been fun for my parents to see different historical things. They're, they're retired. So they like to travel and see historical things. Um, my mom did it by herself the first time they both went when Reed was, when it was Reed's turn. And I think I want to go when it's Violet's turn. So yeah, um, just really special. Yeah, that really is. And again, like we have to remember that when we're kind of overwhelmed with schedules and all of just the rigmarole of family life, something like taking one kid on a trip and leaving the other two at home and having to do all that arrangement sounds stressful, but for a grandparent, it's fun. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like it would be, they get to go on a trip with a a big kid. Like, well, not with Jillian, that was a three-year-old. So bless those, bless 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 your mother-in-law, but, um, but yeah, a 10 year old. yeah, Yeah. Yeah, that's fun. That's just good times for everybody. Yeah. Like everybody wins. And that's yeah. what I love about these. Yeah. Um, this next one is really fun. And I think this is something that um, a lot of people will be able to relate to in different ways. So Cynthia says, my parents live in the same condo building we do. Well, that part, I don't think a lot of people will be able to relate to, but it's yeah. it's cool though. She says, as my ancestral language and culture skills are not that great, my parents are my go-to for my son to learn about Hong Kong culture. My parents are the ones who take him out for dim sum and to Hong Kong cafes. They speak Cantonese with him as well. So he might end up being more bilingual than me. So not everybody has that situation, like grandparents living in the same complex and, um, you know, like a, a language or real cultural things to be passed on like that. But I think that everyone has some little thing like that, yeah. right? Like something that their their parents or their in-laws know yes. that they don't or that they can't necessarily teach as well. And I think tapping into that is just really smart. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Um, Kristen says, my mom watches my son most school mornings and gets him ready for school. She makes him oatmeal every time. Oma's oatmeal. Only she can make it and he won't eat it if I try to make it on other mornings. Uh, she says, I have no idea what makes hers so much better than mine, but I've left it as one of the things that only she can do for him. I love that. I love it too. There's so many small ways you can do this. Like my kids only get Skippy peanut butter at my parents' house. <laughs> and like, it's not that this is like a hill I have given up dying on like a long time ago. I don't really care, but it is kind of cool that that's where the good peanut butter is, you know, and you could do yeah. that in so many other ways, something special that they make something like going back to the popsicle thing, which turned into a FaceTime popsicle, but like a type of treat that just only exists at grandma and grandpa's really cute. Okay. Megan. And we heard from Megan in the first half and she's also far away. Like they don't live near the grandparents all the time, but she says, we send our kids to camp Grammy each summer without us. We as parents get a break and they get one-on-one time with grandparents. I think us not being there is key. They must rely on grandparents for everything. And it helps form that bond. We also encourage family to come visit. My girls love when people come visit them. And when they're visiting, I try to be a little more hands-off and let family step in. I really do believe that caretaking activities are the best catalyst for forming a strong bond. Megan, I feel like I have things to say about this because I've seen it in all different kinds of grandparent like setups with our kids, but it is 
sometimes hard and awkward as the parent to step out of the way and let I'm picturing like car seat installation and car seat Mm. buckling and stroller folding and unfolding. Um, It is we want to rescue our parents and our in-laws and we want I have felt in the past like I wanted it to be a really good experience. So I was the one like bustling around, making sure everyone had everything so that they could get down to the business of, you know, enjoying each other mutually, like mutually thinking each other was great, which is a good sentiment, I guess. But I think this Megan, our listener, Megan is so right that like when the parents cannot step in and help, um, there is a different kind of bond that forms. Kids have to be a little more flexible because guess what? Mm -hmm. Grandma's not going to fix your breakfast like mom does. And that might be better and it might be worse. Um, and the, and the grandparents are going to have to learn to fold the stroller and they are going to have to learn um, like how to get the Netflix show that your kid wants. And there is no way to do that if you are in the middle. So I, yeah. I really love the idea of facilitating that in whatever way you can and feel safe and comfortable. I mean, you know, not every family has parents who are able to care for grandkids for a whole week or that you'd want to. And that's, that's different. But if it's just a matter of like your own control issues as a mom, I think it's yeah. really worth removing yourself from the situation and seeing what kind of cool bonds form without you. Well, that, and I also think sometimes this is harder to do with your, um, co-parents parents, because Mm -hmm. I remember when my, um, when my kids were, my first kids were really little, like little babies. I wanted to almost, I didn't want to seem incompetent or lazy. So I was jumping in and doing the diapering and like all that stuff. And my mom, because she was my mom, would just basically shove me out of the way and do it. And because she was my mom, not only did I know she was super competent because I grew up watching her do that with daycare kids, but it just wasn't a big deal. And then with John's mom, it felt it wasn't even necessarily like a power struggle or like a at least not not like that was not what was front and center in my consciousness. It was more like, well, I don't want to ask her to do the hard stuff. Yes. I don't want her to ask her to do mm-hmm. the dirty work. I just want to let her do the fun stuff. Well, when they're babies, what is there to do besides yeah. those things? Like that's part of the job. Like that's mm-hmm. part of the fun, honestly. Like diapering someone else's baby can be fun when it's not your baby. And like sometimes like that's part of the the caretaking soup. Yep. And without going all in, there's always going to be a little layer of uh distance or yep. like reserve. And I think when I was little, I probably would have been at my relationships with some of some of my grandparents probably would have been closer if it had been a little more hands-on. So, yes. And that little baby stuff does go forward into the relationship you have as the kids get older. It does. And I think what it does is it creates um, a confidence all around in all three camps, like you, yeah. the grandparent generation, the kids, a, a confidence that this is a, a real like caretaking. This is a trusted caregiver. Um, uh-huh. And I also want to say that we have uh, come a long way societally in how much that dudes and dads are doing these days. I'll just speak very generally, mm. which means grandpas might come from a completely different set of experiences and expectations. And it's a very cool opportunity uh, for grandpas to get to wipe some noses and some butts yeah. and fold the stroller and just figure out some of the hands-on stuff that they are very capable of doing and perhaps really want to, but maybe didn't, didn't do as much when, with their own right. generation of kids. So I think there's a lot of cool opportunities there and, um, listener Megan hats off to you for facilitating that. 
and just seeing the value in getting yourself completely out of the way. And also you get a vacation. So that's just, there's that. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Well, here's a couple more fun ones. So Michaela says, my kids have a secret handshake with my parents that they do every time they leave their house. They do an end of summer back to school sleepover at their house. And my mom takes them on birthday dates instead of giving birthday presents. I'm a big fan of the experience gift. Um, That is a great idea. And Savannah says, we see my parents almost every day, but they have a few traditions of things they do with the kids on their own, usually around holidays. One of the most special is a baking day around Christmas. So we make sure to schedule it ahead of time. So it is protected time. I love that. I love that. Well, Kate says my mom and my in-laws each pick our kids up after school one day a week. It gives our kids special grandparent time and less time at daycare and after school program. It also gives my husband and I an opportunity to see our parents each week. And it relieves some pressure to see grandparents every weekend because they get to see the kids during the week. We actually, Megan, had a couple different people who said something similar where they were both full-time working parents trying to solve for the grandparents who wanted to see the kids, um, but also having limited nuclear family time. It goes back to Mm -hmm. the, um, the Emily where we talked about like, just because grandparents are in town and willing and able to help doesn't mean you want to spend all your time with them. Right. So, um, I think what Kate's saying is she's able, she's found the window of time where they get the bonding they need. And it doesn't mean that now every Saturday we're also hanging out all together. So I like that. Okay. And check out this one. This one's so good. Sarah says my kids love to play going on a dinosaur hunt with my in-laws, which typically means they sit in their car in the driveway blast music and go on a pretend adventure together. Okay. These are the most fun grandparents. This is so cute. She said for Christmas last year, we gave my in-laws a dino garden sculpture for their very large yard. So now they can really go on a dino hunt when they visit. So I assume they can see the garden sculpture, like from the parked car when they're on an adventure. I love it it so much. This is like not at all the same, but it did remind me that one of the really simple things my kids always did at my parents' house was pull a chair over to the sink and fill the sink with water and bubbles and splash around. And I don't know yeah. why they, we didn't do that at my house, probably because my sink was full of dirty dishes all the time. I mean, it's not that it wasn't allowed, and I can think of a few times, but um, they would say, play sink. Can we play sink? And they would just drag a chair over. And my and my mom would stand there with them, obviously, for safety. So that was another thing I probably wasn't able to do in my own home with a bunch of little kids. So it can be very, very simple, and pretty soon your kids will associate that's what we do at grandma and grandpa's. I love it. I love it too. Well, this was really fun. We do have a thread in our Facebook listener community with a few more that we just didn't have time to get to today and some more um, thoughts on this grandparent grandkid relationship. So thanks to everybody who wrote in your suggestions. And if you're not in that listener group, we will put a link in the show notes for how to get over there and we'll link to the whole thread so you can read it all and join in the conversation. Um, Megan, we have some really good stuff on the blog right now that I want to Uh. briefly talk about. Um, We have two different um, Advent related blog posts. One is a really great roundup of Advent calendars you can buy and there is still time Um, But the time is nigh because we know these sell out. So our contributor, Sandy, scoured the Internet and found some awesome different advent calendars for very in various categories. Um, And so that's up there. And then Lisa from our team also wrote about her and her four kids advent traditions and how they do a more like kindness, acts of kindness and service oriented um, advent in her house. 
She briefly mentioned it on the podcast last year. And I was like, Lisa, you need to write this up for the people yes. because she's like, she's like played it off like no big deal. And I'm like, wait, this is a no, real, that blew my mind. I was like, wait now. What? I, I yeah. know. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and then um, Shawnee from our team bought a treadmill desk and has answered all the questions you might have if you are curious whether this might work for you. So we've got some good stuff. Yeah, definitely check all that out. And we have a more than mom episode coming up this Sunday. So you will hear from us then. We'll talk to you soon. Talk to you then. Thanks for listening to The Mom Hour. Everything we talked about in today's episode is available at themomhour.com. And hey, while you're there, you can find more than 500 podcast episodes, plus articles, playlists, and resources about motherhood and parenting at every stage. And if you like today's episode, we'd love it if you would take a minute to share the show with another mom in your life. You can also find us on Instagram at The Mom Hour, chatting and interacting with listeners between episodes. Thanks for being here, friends. We'll talk to you soon. Sarah, I started a Substack last spring, just kind of as an experiment, and it turns out I love it. I'm treating it kind of like an old school blog, writing about things that are happening in my life. Megan, I've loved following your stuff on Substack, and I actually just really like Substack in general. You know, we've both been a lot less active on Instagram lately, and I'm finding that Substack scratches that itch to connect and create without all the busyness of a typical social media feed. So I would love it if Mom Hour listeners wanted to look me up there. I'm at meganfrancis.substack.com, and that's Megan with two A's, M-E-A-G-A-N francis.substack.com. Sarah, I have been having just the best time making my new podcast, The Teas Made. I launched back in November, and so far I've covered topics like staying warm on cold winter walks, nurturing creativity, how to be a great host, and even Nordic secrets to loving winter. Well, you know, I am fan number one of the teas made. It's got such a cozy vibe and it seems like you've really hit your stride in covering topics like wellness, self-care, comforting rituals and routines and home and family life. Just look for the teas made with Megan Francis wherever you get your podcasts or head to theteasmade.com to find all the episodes.